It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day, explained and analysed by The Times of London, today with Stuart Willey and Lou Newton. And after a week of wrangling, there may be some hope that more aid can get to the people of Gaza. As the fighting in Gaza continues, Israel Defence Forces has released a video showing their ground operation in Beit Hanun in northern Gaza. It shows armoured vehicles, soldiers patrolling and the city in ruins. One journalist said it's a city that just doesn't exist anymore. So immense is the destruction. And analysis indicates this conflict now counts as one of the most destructive and deadliest in recent history. Researchers at Cooney and Oregon State University used satellite imagery and they found that two-thirds of all structures in the north of Gaza were destroyed. The UN says that 70% of schools have been damaged. 11 weeks into this war, it's the human toll that's driving more and more calls for a ceasefire. The Hamas-run health ministry in Gaza says more than 20,000 have died. And late yesterday, a compromise was found at the UN to potentially let in more desperately needed aid. Linda Thomas-Greenfield is the US ambassador to the UN. Uh, We have worked hard and diligently over the course of the past week uh, with uh, the Emiratis, uh, with others, with Egypt, to come up with a resolution that uh, we can support. And we do have that resolution now. We're ready to vote on it. Uh, And uh, it's a resolution that will bring humanitarian assistance to those in need. And that assistance is much needed. The UN's warning of catastrophic hunger as a quarter of Gazans face starvation. And this draft resolution has dropped calls for a suspension of hostilities and comes after long wrangling with the US over its stance. Other members of the Security Council, including Britain and France, were angered by it. Also at the UN, there are calls for the organisation's top advisor on genocide to quit, as arguments rage over whether Israel's military action in Gaza should be labelled as genocide. And it's a very loaded word, and it often causes dispute. But so far, the Kenyan diplomat, Alice Warimu in Dori 2, has taken an even-handed approach, urging both sides to stop killing civilians and return to diplomacy. Staff within the UN are calling on her to condemn the collective punishment of civilians. But for now, in refusing to apply the word genocide to this conflict, she's said to have the confidence of the UN Secretary-General. Over
over to the battlefields of Ukraine now, where a mysterious illness is plaguing Russian soldiers. There's an outbreak of a fever amongst Putin's forces and some Ukrainian units in the east of Ukraine. And apparently it's because the trenches are infested with rodents. And it's not just the rodents themselves. It's actually their infected urine that's causing this. Maxim Tucker is The Times' correspondent in Ukraine and told The World in 10 just how unpleasant the symptoms can be. So Ukraine's military intelligence has said that Russian troops in the Kharkiv region are being struck down en masse by something they call mouse fever, the symptoms of which include a 40-degree temperature, vomiting, nausea, severe headaches, even bleeding from the eyes. This sounds very much like leptospirosis, uh, a disease otherwise known as rat bite fever, which is passed on by the infected urine and infected faeces of several different animals, including rodents, which have become very numerous in the trenches on both the Ukrainian and Russian sides over the recent months, where positions have largely been static in the Kharkiv region. Maxim also explained the sheer volume of rodents he saw when he visited Ukrainian troops in those trenches in the last few months. I have visited Ukrainian trenches on the front line over the past month, and there are an awful lot of mice uh, infesting trench lines um, and the Ukrainian soldiers have complained to me that they nibble through wires, that they eat food stores and, and even burrow through timber that is laid down to protect the soldiers in the trenches and fortify them. We also know that Ukrainian medics tend to take much better care of their soldiers than Russian medics. So there is a, a severe lack of training, um, medical training among Russian soldiers. Uh, they get given very poor first aid kits, medikits, and commanders tend to ignore the complaints of their juniors, whereas in the Ukrainian armed forces, commanders are more likely to pay attention to complaints from soldiers. Now, the number of troops affected on both sides is unknown, but without proper antibiotic treatment, it can lead to kidney damage, meningitis, liver failure and even death. You can read the full story about rat bite fever on The Times' website now. Princess Diana dedicated much of her later life to charitable work, particularly to ending HIV and AIDS-related stigma. And now it's been revealed that the princess was denied visits to AIDS patients during a visit to Egypt. It was a solo trip in May 1992, and that's just a few months before her separation from the then Prince Charles was officially announced. She wanted to go and she wanted to visit AIDS patients and drug addicts, but the Egyptian authorities said no, and that was just out of fear for their country's reputation. The princess reportedly even tried to find a middle ground and asked to visit people with leprosy, which the Egyptian government also declined. Mark Horn is a Times correspondent. He explains why this might have happened. She was clear and adamant these were the places she wanted to go. What we do have is letters from foreign office officials pushing on Diana's behalf. What we don't have is her own correspondence. But I would imagine she'd be quite pleased by that all the I think she'd be incredibly annoyed if she didn't get to represent the causes that she wanted to promote around the world. The whole trip was designed to promote the image of both the United Kingdom and Egypt around the world and to avoid controversy. 
So the president at the time, Hosni Mubarak, he'd come to power on a sort of modernizing agenda. He wanted to take Egypt from being a developing country to be a kind of modern power in the world. And I think there was a fear that Egypt would be seen as backwards. And also, it was a very conservative, small C country at the time. And they didn't want issues like drug addiction and AIDS to be brought to the poor. And we know this now because the National Archives have just released the Foreign Office documents about the trip, which interestingly also reveals that photo opportunities for the princess were arranged for first thing in the morning, and that was apparently to stop pictures of her sweating ending up on the cover of newspapers. If you asked me to list the world's most popular sports, the list would likely include basketball, soccer, and at a pitch, ice hockey. But judging by conversations in the Times newsroom today, the number one sport would be darts. Yep, and the World Darts Championships is taking place here in London, and one competitor in particular has grabbed everyone's attention. The sport, well, you throw a spiky pointed aerodynamic dart at a round board from almost eight feet away. It's one of those slightly strange sports that Britain excels in creating, and it's often been associated with pubs. Many of those neighbourhood drinking haunts have a round board pinned to the wall, and customers compete to score the most points or hit the bullseye in the centre of the board. But liquor laws mean the competitor having a fairy tale journey through this contest might struggle to attend some of these pubs. And that's because he's just 16 years old. His name's Luke Littler, and he made the greatest debut in the history of the tournament, and he's now through to the third round. The often rowdy crowd, with some wearing fancy dress, have taken him to heart as they chanted, You've got school in the morning. <laughs> he said he'll celebrate his win with a kebab and a soda. The Times sports writer Owen Slot argues with chicken farmers, bus drivers, and this teenager in the contest. These are the most relatable athletes around. With a Times digital subscription, you can read Owen Slot's account of the spectacle of this contest, the rags-to-riches stories of the competitors, and the characters among the thousands of spectators watching the action. And they are some characters indeed. Well, thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you tomorrow. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.